Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. <laughs> um, I like to ask John... Um, this is Matt. I'd like to ask Mr. McEnroe. First time you were in a Grand Slam final. Mm-hmm. Um, what were... Was it U.S. Open? U.S. Open, 1979. Oh, my God. A long time ago. How... What, what, what did you feel? What nerves did you have when you went into that? Well, I actually played Vetus Carolitis, who was a friend of mine, so it was sort of weird and... Um, uh, a guy that uh, I grew up very close to, so it didn't have the, quite the feeling of maybe uh, the Grand Slam final I expected. Plus, uh, the fans were a little bit disappointed that Borg wasn't playing Connors. And we were somewhat unknown. We were on the rise. And so, in a way, it was very disappointing. Uh, I, I didn't sort of enjoy it as much as I could have because, one, the crowd seemed disappointed. And then I was playing my friend. And I was a little bit upset also because we were two kids that grew up 15 minutes from where the tournament took place. And we were getting booed. <laughs> Can we You're ask kidding why? Me. Well, it was just more, it wasn't the way I was behaving. That came a little later. Um, but uh, because they wanted, they were sort of disappointed that the number one and two guys, we were up to, you know, three, four, four, mm. five, something like that. But we weren't the top couple guys. So they, they seemed sort of bummed out that um, we didn't um, lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not not nice. But actually, you two, you two uh, both won majors at 17. That's you right. won the French and you won Wimbledon. So you, you should both tell the millions of people that are going to be watching this how that felt. Because obviously you didn't even, you couldn't have expected to win it. And But then again, the good part is you'd probably have no fear at all, I'm assuming. Yeah, I had no fear. I played Guillermo Vilas here in 1982. I lost to him in Madrid of all tournaments, which is obviously where Dominic team beat Rafa last. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won maybe four games, two and two, two and three, three and three. Felt like one and one. So my goal was literally to get on the board in the first set and then try and get one game, two game, three games, and maybe get more in the last set. But I never really went in thinking I could win the match. And... Um, I think it really helped. Did it, at a set all, I believe the yeah. third set was a tiebreak, right? If, I'm, right? if I recall. And uh, did you look over and you won that tiebreak? Uh, did you say, because he was considered at that time one of the fittest, if not the fittest guys on the tour, yet he looked very tired and you looked very fresh. Did you, you must have noticed that and thought that was sort of weird, right? That you were yeah. 17 and looked like you could play another four or five hours and he looked like he was exhausted. I mean, what... 
Did you see that? Absolutely. Yeah. Looked over. Yeah, he was because he he was sweating so much. Obviously, he always changed his shirt, but he was changing his socks as well. <laughs> uh, and and then he started having not coaching, but a few arguments with uh, Jan Tiriak. And that sort of, wow, something's going on. And um, he had set point to win the second set. And if he wins 6-1-7-6, obviously he wins. Early in the third set, it was like, what is going on? He's not playing me anymore. He's playing himself. He's missing. Guillermo missing. So, yeah, and then uh, he went away. He basically went away, I believe. Could there be some similarities today to the clear-cut favorite Nadal, who I thought struggled in some of these matches early on in the first set, and then the other guys just didn't believe where you believed then and you had nothing to lose. Could be a situation where Rafa starts to play himself instead of the opponent? Team has to go out and know that he beat him in Madrid and play his game and not risk it too much early on because that sends a, a negative signal. I think that's what, if he can learn from my match against Vilas, is I took... No risk at all. And Guillermo had to do everything. And I think that was like, oh, he's not going to lose it to me. I have to win it myself. Isn't there another problem with being in your early 30s, understanding that eventually there'll be the last time that you sort of become anxious a little bit and, and impatient where at 17 or 23, 24, life's ahead of you? I think you have the answer to that question because I won my last major at 24. How old were you? I was 25. 25. So, you know, the thing is, is that uh, th that is for us a point well taken because even yeah. by your late 20s, early 30s, every time I played, I felt like this could be the last chance. But then you look at, say, what happened with Roger the last 18 months and he's won three of the last five majors. He's 36 you know, going on 37. So that must help these guys mentally in a way. I mean, even though he's obviously one of the two greatest players ever played, but at the same time, he's done something amazing that make them believe that they can do it for a while. Uh, so that I think that helps Nadal back to think, right. hey, I can, you know, do this another couple of years. But Federer took also five years of not winning a major. From 2012 That's to true. 2017, yeah. where you really start doubting yourself. It's great to be in the same as the final, but am I not good enough to get over the hump? So, well, Rafa won it last year. Here, so that. you're saying that Rafa is going to go out there today and suddenly it's going to hit him maybe uh, during the match. It could, and he could panic a little because all of a sudden this guy believes, which is the key, obviously, Matt's is absolutely right. The key to He's got to show that he believes he can do this, even if it took four or five sets. I just saw Rafa, the last couple of matches, nervous early on in the first set, playing short, missing a lot of forms. It's just the other guy on the net doesn't believe it. So team obviously played him before. Should have the confidence to at least believe he has a shot. This is probably the only matchup where they played. This will be the 10 time in all 10 on clay, mm. which is a little weird, but... What I've read and what I've heard, the team has said, and I don't know if he just says this or actually believes it, that the only way to beat him is to take chances. Mm. And that maybe you can do that in two out of three, but it's a lot harder in best of five. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. No, I, I got an interesting uh, a thought the other day because somebody, it was my coach, I had my coach here, Jonte Schögren, um, visited, I hadn't been in French Open for 25 years, and we had dinner a couple of nights, and he said that he thought that Nadal is not as good a clay court player today as he was four or five years ago because he hits the ball a little harder and hits the ball a little flatter, with that a little deeper, and it's easier to play against him What do you, how do you feel about your game? Because obviously he's a much better player on hard courts and most probably on grass and indoors than he was eight, nine years ago. But 
he has he lost a little bit on clay even though he's still winning he's a much better player now but you know what i mean does that for, did it happen to you guys it happened to me Well, I think Rafa is more an all-court player now. When he steps on the hard court, it is not like 10 years ago where he has no chance. Or even on the grass court, you know, one woman twice. So I think he arranged his game a little bit more to be offensive-minded, a bit more aggressive and going more for winners instead of just waiting the whole time for the other guy to miss. Also, I think with age, you become impatient. At, at 17, when you won in 82, uh, it just you could have played all day. It didn't matter. Monday didn't matter. I think for today, Rafa knows you know time is not on his side, so he's rushing a little bit. I, I find. I, I I think that um, I would agree with you until I saw Nadal play Anderson at the Open last year, which was a hard court, mm. and he stood as far back as I've ever seen a player return to serve. He's as far back as you could stand. And so he, it was a strategy, obviously, and I think it was a good strategy against Anderson because he's a big guy, didn't like to serve in volley. He's continued to do that. And as a matter of fact, because he's so great on clay, other people have started to copy him a little bit. But to me, that's sort of his way of dealing with and reacting to what Mats and you, and you Boris, have just talked about, that maybe he's lost a little patience and maybe his ball's a little flatter. So this is like a different look to mm. counteract that. So that forces him to sort of become more defensive-minded and hit more balls that, I mean, you need to give it some more air and topspin to get back in the court. From the, You hit a flat return, you know, then you'd see a guy maybe drop shot or hit it short. So in a way, that's his way of sort of counteracting that problem right. that you guys see. Right. What do you make of the game in general? Uh, is Nadal and Federer so much better or isn't the rest as good? Because I find in our days, when we were in the round of 16 the quarters, it was whoever was better on the day. And I find with Roger and Rafa, especially the last two years, it was a clear guarantee semifinal. And then usually they would win it. So is that because they're so much better or hasn't the rest caught up with them? Well, I, I do think that you're looking, Rod Laver was, was my idol, but you're looking at the two best players ever. And they're the, two of the hungriest players ever. Mm -hmm. And two... A very unusual to see players that successful and that great that still dedicate themselves and want it as much. Actually, they want it more than the players that haven't won anything. And because of that, and yeah, yeah, why? I mean, why? I don't know. They? I think that's a problem the other players have, but you have to match. I know when I was coming on the tour, the Jimmy Connors at that time was sort of like considered the Rafael Nadal of the tour. He was the guy that tried harder than everyone more intense, wanted it more. And I remember thinking to myself after I played him a couple times, you got to go on the court and you got to match his effort. Forget about strategy, forget about, you know, the game plans, that comes, but you got to match his intensity mm -hmm. and effort. And I don't see enough guys out there, especially with Nadal, and that's part of why he wins so much, that matches his effort level and intensity, which is By the way, it's very difficult to do. Yeah, it's also I think it I think it has to do with that this playing style uh, varied so much in our day. I mean, I'm obviously sitting next to you, so we play in a in a bunch of Davis Cup finals. I'm no chance on the fast carpet. Uh, played you on grass, Wimbledon, not really a chance. Played you indoors, a bunch of no chance in a lot of lot of matches. Somehow that feeling of not having a chance, losing easily to you guys on faster courts, never carried over for me when I went on a clay court. Today, it seems like it carries over. Mm -hmm. The head-to-head -head is important because Wimbledon to Roland Garros, it's Nadal, Thomas, Burdick, let's say. 
It doesn't matter what surface they play on. It seems like Burdich just, ha he's afraid of Nadal or can't figure it out. Or all these guys do the same thing against Nadal and Federer. And Federer and Nadal get so much confidence from beating them anywhere on any surface. Did, That's where it's changed, I think. Did you ever think that you'd see, for example, after watching Boris and Sampras and Ivanisevic at Wimbledon, that there'd be a time in, at that event where you'd see players serving and staying back all the time? No. That seems crazy. And because of that, it seems like everyone on all the surfaces plays pretty much the exact same way. Uh, Which should mean for more guys would go out thinking that they have a chance to play Nadal. Right. But they don't, it doesn't seem like people try enough different things. But even in, in your days, Borg from one from the baseline, Wimbledon, which thought was impossible. Jimmy Connors from from the baseline, yes. But they did. They it. spent a lot more time going to the net than the guys now. I mean, there's you know they they would go mm. one out of three points. Now they're going one out of ten. Mm. You know, Federer, Nadal, they, they serve a volume one, maybe one out of ten points. Mm. It's very strange, and I, I, I think that the game, in a way, at, at one stage, I almost felt like the French Open, they played faster than Wimbledon. Yeah, sure. I mean, how. How the hell is that possible? <laughs> What's next? What 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 do you make of the young generation? I mean, you you won the French at 17. You were how old were you when you opened? I was 20. 20, and I was 17, and it was not out of the ordinary. We were all that age and winning Grand Slams. Why it's not possible nowadays for a teenager to win a slam? I don't get it. Well, uh, I'm gonna say that for starters, because the game's so much faster. Generally, you know, there's so much more power in the rackets. That is more difficult for someone to be fully mature at that age and be able to do the things necessary, the endurance. Because you need explosion more than ever, even though you're not serving and volleying them, in my opinion. And that the players, um, they don't seem at a young age, like Shapovalov to me would be an example of someone who I think had he, you know, had the right set of circumstances in terms of people, and I'm, he probably has a good team around him, but he c could do something big early. Yeah. You know, I look at his body, it's a little bit like uh, yours, Boris, that his legs are fully developed, you know, at, at 17, 18, and, and looked like they're 25, as, as opposed to a lot of these guys, they look, you know, they need time to develop. And I think that that rare person, for, for reasons that I don't know, or, or they're not being told the right thing, they don't seize the opportunity there's a giant opening in the game that's coming very I, I, how these guys who's going to be these the, a guy that's going to win six eight ten grand slams you guys want to venture a guess on who that person would be whether it's Zverev it's pretty tough to pick right now a guy that you'd mm. say you're confident is going to win eight ten grand slams I, I don't see it on the horizon, you know, even even with the likes of Zverev. But you know, the game is adapting to its its current situation. So in our days, I thought we played fast. And nowadays, of of course, they play a bit faster because of the records. But it's the same for everybody. So an 18 year old, a 19 year old with a fast record, should be as powerful as a 36 year old. That's the point I don't get. Mm. Well, I think the body, the fit, their, their bodies aren't developed enough yet. To, to handle that strain that um, once the last... Have you looked at a guy that's blown that opportunity? You know, an 18, 19-year-old that should have done it? No. I mean, it, it, it goes through through the rank. Really. There isn't anybody that's all of a sudden in a semifinal, 18 years old. You think, well, maybe this time, but for sure the next time around, he's going to win. I, I don't mm. see anybody that young. 
I think it's it's just hard to pick. I mean, guys are playing for so much longer. Um, it's really hard for an 18, 19-year-old to break in. I think they can, but a lot of them, let's say uh, Grigor Dimitrov, couldn't break into the top when he was 18, 19, mm-hmm. 20, really. And then he kind of, okay, he's now among the six, seven best players, I guess, in the world, but he kind of fell by the wayside a little bit because mm-hmm. Federer and Nadal and Djokovic, they just kept playing and kept playing. And so he never gathered the momentum and the confidence to keep to, to start winning. And I think that's so if you don't have the patience and the right team from 18 till 23, and there's a lot of guys who don't, I think you eventually you learn how to, lo- you accept losing and you accept that 30 in the world and accept making 800 grand or a million dollars and you have your team around you and you get stuck. That's the big thing, I think, is that they're making a lot of money. Mm. And so they're thinking, hey, which which is true. It's incredible to be making a couple million dollars in a year. Unbelievable. Not winning the major. Not winning. Being 10 in the world. 6, 12, 15, in some cases lower. But the upside, they don't. Someone hasn't explained to them that two could turn into twenty-five or fifty. Is, is that the problem with American tennis a little bit? Because I yeah, find the American the number one gets paid. You know, with all respects, whoever that is, gets paid an enormous amount. Not of as money. much as a German number one, but go ahead. Uh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> but it, it, isn't that a problem that when they're seventeen, eighteen, and they're prospects and nothing else but prospects, and they get a five million, you know, contract with whoever, and then their their life is set in uh, a way. Well, in Nineteen seventy-seven. You know, I was the number one junior in the world. I was sent over to Europe to play the French juniors and Wimbledon juniors. They they gave me a plane ticket. They said they gave me five hundred dollars for seven weeks, <laughs> and they said good luck. There was no coaches. Yeah. They didn't set up my hotel rooms. Yeah. I had to, you know, I mean, you had to sort of find people that would. Hey, will you hit with me? I mean, <laughs> I didn't even know people. Um, and so it was. And you made the semis. Well, you know, and I, I, I qualified at the French. I won a round. It gave me enough points to get to the qualifiers at Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. And then I yeah. ended up losing in the qualifying at Queens, which, you know, if I had gotten in there, I couldn't have played the Wimbledon quality. Wow. So all these things happen. But, you know, I'm staying with three, four other people and trying to figure out how to way. In a way, it was probably made me hungrier as opposed to what you're saying, where they mm. seem to be more spoiled and they catered to. Mm-hmm. And then there's, where's my coach and my physio? I got... People at my tennis academy, they're 12 years old. They got a damn physio. I'm like, are you kidding me? Get your ass on the court and, you know, learn how to play tennis. And then we'll talk about getting fit and what to eat and, you know, off-court training. So it's, it's, it's definitely changed quite a bit. The other part is, is, is I think, in Europe, because there's a, be- a longer tradition for tennis, that you see better athletes generally. You know, this accessibility and affordability, I think, is a little better. The States, you know, I live in New York. The price of uh, playing is just too much, and mm. it cuts out too many people. Our best athletes play American football or basketball, and you know there's a lot of they can go to high school, and they, they don't need they don't have money in a lot of cases, but they're on a team where they're supplied equipment and clothes and coaches, and we don't have that in the states enough. A good high school tennis system. And then into college, where I think kids could develop as human beings, as players. I don't think people understand that now. If people are going to peak later, what's wrong with going to college for a couple of years and being able to prepare yourself physically and mentally for what's going to happen when you're 25? Mm. I agree. Um, I I, I ran into a little situation, or have for the last few years, actually. Sometimes you... 
you, I feel like, criticize players when they're not playing, let's say, a Rafa Nadal, when they're not trying to play him the proper way, it's obvious you can't play him a certain way. You're never going to win. With the teams around them today and the coaches and Darren Cahill stayed up till three in the morning watching old matches of Halep and Muguruza before that match. She came out and was aggressive from the beginning. That's never really happened. Should we, is it not in our position to not criticize, but make sure because they have everything, they're making more money so they can have people around them to demand more from the players, not mm. from, not physically, uh, not the way they look, not the way they run, but in their hunger yeah. and in their hunger to solve the problem. Because in one of the semifinals the other day, Juan Martin Del Potro, for example, held serve easily in the first set and had a bunch of break points, never really stepped in and did anything on a second serve of Nadal. And I'm like, what? Come on, you got to do that because you have coaches around you. They can look at videotapes and tell you, okay, love 30, you have to step in and do something. Should we not be able to demand more from yeah, them? Yeah, I think constructive criticism is, is extremely important. No, you mentioned a very important uh, point here, and you talked about one of the best coaches in the game, Darren Cale. Who else is good? I mean, do we have enough good coaches? Do players want to hear the truth sometimes, or they, they hide behind, I don't know, somebody they know for 10 years? I just find the quality quite often not as good because their so-called team isn't as professional. I mean, I remember your coach, and I remember your coach, and you certainly remember my coach, no? So they, they knew a thing or two about tennis, and they were honest with us, and therefore we, we were almost uh, um, you know, on the court afraid of them. That's the problem. Uh, I think you hit it in a nutshell. Uh, Del Pocho, to me, his story is sort of heartwarming that he's come sure. back this far. He's sort of known as the gentle giant for a reason. There's an aura about him. He just seems like a, a wonderful young man. Yes. It was extremely disappointing to see a guy who's worked his way to a career high after four surgeries, being out of the game a year and a half or more twice, play as well. Like He stepped up, and he was taking it to Nadal. He had six break points, won none of them. 6-4, okay, you lose this set. And then it almost seemed like he just, you know, mailed it in. Yep. I mean, now I know Nadal was playing better, but that's the type of thing where if your four guy in the world goes out there and after a set he's like too good because he's tired from the match three sets from yesterday, we've got a problem. But nobody in the press conference would ask that question. They say we've come a long way. You go to way. game Shet and Matt's, he'd yeah. ask that question. And there you go. Yeah. No, but it's important. You know, they, they have this this story about him, and he obviously he obviously uh, had these surgeries, and it's great to see him back in the sure. top of the game. But the second or third set, he, he didn't really try anymore. Mm. You know, now he tweaked something, and he'd played three sets, and blah 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 blah. But at the end of the day, we have to sort of strive for bigger things, I think, yeah. and so. The three of us, us old farts, we have to go out, we have to encourage, Absolutely. but they have to understand that that it's it's good for them, ultimately, and it's good for our souls. We don't want to sort of just say what people want to hear and not say what we believe, and hopefully we could add something to the game, and that way they've got to be able to listen to it and go, you know, maybe, maybe they know a little bit. <laughs> A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to Detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.